to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. We've got plenty to get to here on the show. Before we get into any Badger-related discussions, I want to introduce a new voice to the podcast. The last few weeks, I've talked a little bit about it um, in regards to Matt, of course, departing. Um, we haven't had a second voice on here for a while, and I think going forward here, we're going to have... Um, some of our other writers hopping on to kind of get you guys introduced to the rest of our staff and allow me to not simply talk into the void, which I've been doing the last few months and uh, gets gets to be a little weird. So, uh, Ron, do you want to go ahead and give yourself a little introduction to the uh, listeners? Yeah. Uh, hi, everybody. I am Rohan Chakravarti. I am an incoming freshman here at UW-Madison, and I'm excited to join the team at BQ5. Uh, and overall, what I've been doing last couple of years, last year and a half to be exact, is covering the San Francisco 49ers for USA Today's 49ers web zone. I've also hosted my own podcast, and I'm excited to join the team and talk some Wisconsin football today. That's a great intro, Ron. We're excited to have you on the team. If you guys have been over on the website, you've probably already seen some write-ups by him. Um, I think we'll have another one up today in regards to the wide receiver room. Done a great job for us in the what week it's been, and uh, we're really excited to have him and and some of the others. We also have a new writer joining up um, over the next coming days that'll likely hop on as well. So a lot of changes going on at B5Q right now, but I think uh, we'll be getting back into our regular groove here soon with some of these new additions. So today, as I mentioned last week on the podcast, we talked about special teams last week. Today, we're going to focus in on the offensive side of the football. I know Rowan's been doing some. Um, offensive deep dives and, and kind of looking at it and getting you know accustomed to this new Wisconsin football team, which a lot of us are now trying to figure out what it's going to look like on that offensive side of the ball. Um, before we do that real quick, I just wanted to mention some news. Uh, Braylon Allen, Nick Herbig named to second team um, Associated Press all-conference teams. Great kudos for them. Um, both very well-deserving. Uh, of course, Braylon Allen, you know, 1,200 yards last year or so. Uh, Nick Herbig, nine sacks, so really not a ton of huge surprise um, in that regard, but certainly nice to see those two get recognized, and hopefully that translates into postseason awards as well, uh, but not really a ton of time we need to spend on that. I'm sure neither player <laughs> care too much on preseason accolades, so we'll go ahead and hop right into the offensive football talk now, and as I mentioned, Rowan, you're an incoming freshman, so I don't know how familiar you are with Wisconsin football in the past, but just kind of give the listeners, what are your impressions of this program on the offensive side of the ball that you've kind of discovered thus far? Yeah, so Wisconsin football traditionally, right, at least in the Paul Christ era, has been a run first team. When you look at the uh, just in the rankings, they've ranked near the top 15 in all five years uh, or all. I guess this is their sixth year now. All five years, though, in the past, they've ranked in the top 15 in the amount of percentage that they run the football, ranking somewhere in the high 50s to the low 60 percent. And there are schools that primarily predominantly run the football, right? You're talking about like schools like Navy or it's either Navy or Army, I believe, one of the two that predominantly runs the football. But Wisconsin's also in the mix there. And this year, just looking at the outlook, you might think, well, 
hell, they're going to run the football as much as they can, given that they lost their top receivers in Danny Davis, their top tight end in Jake Ferguson, and their number three option in Kendrick Pryor last year. But expect a more balanced attack. Uh, a new offensive coordinator, Bobby Engram, has been talking about that all offseason. He's been saying we want to balance our run by having a better aerial attack so that we can complement our run and be able to improve those offensive rankings that have been fairly middling, if we're being honest, over the last couple of seasons. So to me, I think we're going to see a more balanced attack, but still expect Wisconsin to focus more on the run than the pass. Yeah, I think that the, the really one of the offseason storylines that have been so interesting has been that offensive coordinator hire and Bobby Ingram. For those of you that aren't familiar, um, Bobby Ingram was previously with the Baltimore Ravens, tight ends coach, coached some phenomenal tight ends. Uh, of course, his son, Dean, is on the roster um, now at wide receiver. So he's had plenty of connections to Paul Chris in Wisconsin in the past. Um, what that's going to look like with him now taking over, this is his first time being a traditional offensive coordinator, is, is kind of still a mystery. Paul Christ and, and uh, Bobby Ingram, you know, I know, I remember back in spring ball, you know, Bobby Ingram was kind of asked, will he be specifically calling the plays? And they both kind of beat around the bush. So who will actually be making the calls will be uh, an interesting storyline to watch. But I do think at some point, Paul Christ will want to pass those reins over to Bobby Ingram and, and trust him enough to do so. Um, Paul Chris, you know, last year it, it was clear he had a little bit too much on his plate, uh, trying to work with the quarterbacks, trying to call the plays, trying to come up with an offensive game plan. So that mystery is still a little bit unclear. If you've been following Wisconsin football media and uh, and what Paul Chris, he likes to give <laughs> really little away. But yeah. uh, that offense is going to be, um, like you said, pri primarily a a run first attack. But I do think a balance is is something that they want to get to. And I think that's something that they, they certainly need to get to um, in terms of throwing the football a little bit more consistently. Um, part of that probably comes down to the quarterback play, but we'll get to that in a minute. But um, yeah, it's, it's certainly gonna be an interesting new look offense for, for Badger fans, new and old. Yeah. And the one thing you mentioned there about the uh, who will handle the play calling duties last year, you mentioned how Paul Chris might've had a little too much on his hands and the statistics kind of indicate that right in 2020 in the COVID uh, condensed season, the Badgers were only 32nd in the NCAA in the amount of offensive plays in which they ran the football at 57.79%, their lowest rank in the Paul Christ era. But last year, that number skyrocketed to nearly 64% of their offensive plays fifth in the NCAA, which kind of indicated while the Badgers obviously are a run predominant team, they were focusing too heavily on that because it was their bread and butter. And because maybe Paul Christ might've had too much on his plate and chose to go with whatever worked best rather than try and create that balance. But now that you hear this off season about how Bobby Younger wants that balance, how they've been practicing uh, to incorporate that balance, you might see a shift in play calling so that Bobby Engram, like it, the, the offense becomes more, more comfortable in that realm and Bobby Engram takes over incorporating the balance that he desires for this offense. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, a great point and, and certainly something that Wisconsin fans, when you think back to Paul Christ, who was formerly the offensive coordinator at Wisconsin, his attacks when they were really humming, you know, those Russell Wilson years, um, you know, Russell Wilson single year and the years after that, um, with the, the three-headed attacks that they had at the running back, a lot of that worked off the play action and in the running game, kind of setting up the passing game. So getting back to something like that, 
will certainly be important and a fun storyline to watch throughout the season. But part of that comes down to the quarterback play. So now that we'll kind of transition into going through position by position, of course, in terms of who's going to be the starter, I think we all know that it's going to be Graham Mertz now entering his third season and up and down, mostly down career for him. I know, of course, a former four-star recruit, a ton of hype um, in multiple off seasons. And, you know, that first game in the COVID year came out. I don't think he threw more than two incompletions in that contest. And we all thought, yeah. here's the next coming uh, or the first, you know, real Wisconsin quarterback since Russell Wilson that can maybe take them to where they want to go. And it's it's been kind of a steady decline since that. But he's going to be the guy um, once again this year. Bobby Ingram's talked about some change for him. I think it seems like he's matured, but certainly needs some improvement to really change the, the outlook of that offense. So what do you make of the play of, of Graham Mertz over the course of his career? I think, honestly, like you said, it's been a not a decline, but it's been disappointing after that first game in which Badger fans were excited, forcing Jack Cohn to obviously transfer, I believe, to Notre Dame. And so now Graham Mertz, he's been fairly middling, right? He hasn't really been able to eclipse that completion percentage after that first uh, year. And then he's had pretty poor touchdown interception ratios last year, 10 touchdowns to the 11 interceptions hasn't eclipsed 2000 yards in a season yet passing. And so like, in a way, you can understand why the uh, why the Badgers have been uh, predominantly running uh, football team uh, so far. So it is, uh, you know, a little bit of a disappointment overall in his career based on the expectations when he came in and after that first game. But you're hoping that with a new offensive coordinator, with a new voice and with a new game plan that Graham Mertz going into what is this now his redshirt junior year, I believe, mm -hmm. can really uh push this offense away from the eight, eight win uh, system away from the nine win system and maybe into a higher realm. Although again, you got to wait till that's on the field because right now the expectation is what's Graham Mertz has put out over the last few years. Yeah. It, it, it's really something that's interesting. You know, you look at Wisconsin in terms of the passing game and, and I think people with the expectations of Graham Mertz, um, there's certainly been disappointment, but when you look at Graham Mertz, it's not like he's really being asked to be some guy that comes out and throws for 300 yards a game and is throwing multiple scores. Just being efficient and completion percentage and taking care of the football will do Wisconsin's offense a lot of good. So you touched on that touchdown interception ratio. If you could cut down those interceptions and the fumbles as well, which is a big thing for him early in the season, you can cut that down not necessarily have to, you know, all of a sudden be throwing the ball all over the yard, but just cutting down the mistakes, making the throws that they're asking him to make, that would greatly improve this offense because the the running back running the football is still going to be the primarily mode of attack when you have a guy like Braylon Allen, which will kind of transition over to that position. You know, 1,200 yards and change last year, and, and really he didn't start getting the bulk of his carries until October then at the time was, you know, a 17 year old true freshman, just still an incredibly crazy story. But when you look at the run game, Braylon Allen, big physical kid, what do you make of the expectations for that room? He is the guy for this offense. And the expectation for me from this room uh, really is this room should punish defenses because not only is Braylon Allen coming off his 186 uh, carry 1,268 yards and whopping 6.8, uh, you know, yards per attempt. 
in 2021, but they returned Ches Malusi and Isaac Guarendo from the injuries, two of their top backs from a year before, which should provide some stability and some options for what you want to do with this running game. Allen obviously uh, entering his sophomore right sophomore season where he should have a good amount of tread on those legs. But overall, you do want a balanced attack so that you don't overwork Allen. I'm thinking with the three-headed monster that they have right now alongside uh, fullback they they fullback John Chanel uh, graduated, but they got a new fullback, I believe, in true freshman uh, Jackson Acker. I think that those are the four key players right now in this uh, in the system. And I think that this rushing attack, despite it going to it, despite it appearing to be somewhat of a balanced approach offensively, I think the rushing attack still takes over. Yeah, yeah, I think that's certainly got to be, you know, your bread and butter with that running game. And I'm glad you mentioned Ches Malusi because, you know, you think about it this time last year, you know, the former Clemson transfer into Wisconsin, that the excitement of the running game was built all around Ches Malusi. And there were, he had some really nice games last season, unfortunately went down with that knee injury right when he was seeming to really click in the offense. You know, coming over from a spread attack at Clemson to a little bit more pro style at Wisconsin, you knew it was maybe going to take some time. And there was a lot of other issues early last year with the offensive line. We've talked about the quarterback play, which was probably at its lowest point. The first, you know, if you remember that that Penn State opener into that Notre Dame contest, yeah. that was really when things were were ugly. So Chesney Lucy really started to get clicking and then went down with that knee injury. But so far, the reports from practice look like he's really healthy, which coming off an ACL is that's that's pretty impressive that he's moving so well. And I think with Braylon Allen is more of your He's plenty of speed, but a power guy. And then Ches Malusi, who's got a little bit more speed. And then Isaac Rendo, someone who, who's certainly still a wild card, incredible speed, just consistently injured throughout his career. If you can get all three of those guys to be working and playing and healthy together, this, uh, this rushing attack should be a lot of fun to watch. But certainly an if when you talk about the health with, with a couple of those other guys kind of having some bang up mysteries. But fingers crossed, if all three are healthy, this could be a really fun rushing attack. Yeah, no, definitely. And it also provides questions as to who will get like it's it's obvious that Allen is the one, but how much volume will the Badgers be willing to give Allen? Because when you remember when those two were playing, you would see split carries of like 15 to 15 per person or 20 per person, somewhere around there. And then Allen's carries skyrocketed in the four games that he started. I think he got 93 or so in those four games. And now you wonder, how is that uh, that volume uh, going to be shared between the running backs, especially if that uh, that because last year, like I said, right, it was near 64 percent mm -hmm. of the time that they ran. That number probably uh, decreases as well this year. Yeah. How they split those carries up is is a great storyline that I don't think a lot of people have, have thought a lot about when you think about the running back room. And, and you know, you think of Braylon Allen, he's a star in, in college football. But similar to years ago when, when they almost – Jonathan Taylor was able to take that workload at Wisconsin, but each year it felt like, man, they should really get some other guy that they feel really good getting carries. And if Ches Malusi can be that, that is a, a huge perk for this running back room. But whoever's out there and getting the carries, you expect this, uh, this unit to be up to Wisconsin's standard. We'll move into now the wide receiver room, which uh, you mentioned it at the top. The top three pass catchers gone. Danny Davis you know, played for – Five seasons at Wisconsin, Kendrick Pryor, the same thing. Jake Ferguson at tight end. We'll get to tight ends in a minute here. But essentially all of your main pass catchers going into last season 
are not there going into this season. But for um, Wisconsin fans, I think there's a second, you know, next up group that we're excited to see. It's just a matter of who can really produce on the field. And I know you had a write-up that will probably be out today in regards to the wide receiver room. So what have your impressions been of this kind of next wave of Wisconsin receivers? Yeah. So like you said, it's the next wave. So there's a bunch of unexpected, uh, like when you're talking about these receivers, you don't necessarily know what you're going to see in a game uh, perspective. Obviously you can hear practice reports, but the reality is we have a ton of unproven receivers on this group, but does that mean that the, the Wisconsin passing attack is doomed? Not necessarily. Incoming, I think he's now a junior in Chimere Dyke, who caught 19 passes for 272 yards last year. He is the clear wide receiver one, in my opinion, because he's gotten the most volume in an NCAA standing. So coming off, I think he was the fourth receiver on the roster last year. The only receiver really, apart from those top three, to see more than 10 catches. He had 19 receptions on the year. I think he steps into the wide receiver one role. And it's not only his on-the-field uh, responsibilities that he's been uh, doing well at in the offseason. It's also the off-the-field meaning he's been a solid leader in the room that is really full of a bunch of young guys. Talking about some of those young guys, you've got Skylar Bell, you've got Marcus Allen. Both of them, uh, I believe, were freshmen last year, now entering their first true seasons, I believe, uh, in the receiving room. I believe Allen was the one who played more. I think he got 39 snaps last year, caught three passes for 65 yards, seems a little more physical with his 6'1", 210-pound frame. Bell, on the other hand, though, has been the riser of training camp this year. Uh, he had one catch for 15 yards. I believe only played in the bowl game about 15 snaps or so. But he right now is primed to be that receiver, too, with incoming transfer Keontes Lewis from UCLA figures to be in the mix as well. He's been physical, and he's also a fairly solid run blocker, which is very needed in, a, in an offense that is predicated on their running backs. So I think that overall... This room, while it is unproven, has a bunch of talent and potential. It's just, can these receivers eclipse that potential as the, as the Badgers, as we said earlier, shift more toward the balance attack? Yeah, I think that I, I totally agree with you. You know, this young group is, if you followed, if anyone's followed Wisconsin football recruiting, you, you were, when Marcus Allen, you know, uh, was, was deciding between, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan, a ton of other big schools, you, you thought, man, if they could land a guy like him, that should be really that next receiver that they're going to rely on. And, and he was the more highly recruited guy, but Skylar Bell, when you landed him between Wisconsin and Iowa, that was a guy that you, you felt when you watch the high school tape and it's hard to always decipher high school tape that he was going to be something special too. So these aren't necessarily guys that, you know, are just stepping up because they're the next in line. These are highly recruited guys that you hope and trust in and, and are ready to take the next step. Jim Ray DK, certainly your, I think your primary guy, Dean Ingram switching over there, a ton of speed. And, you know, you look, look at last year, you lost some corners. He was a solid corner. So you thought, you know, moving him to the wide receiver room, you hope that that's a, there's a reason for it yeah. um, with his explosiveness. But we'll see. And then Keontes Lewis, kind of a bigger, more physical run blocking receiver, possession type guy. He looks exciting, but what he's really going to bring, we have at this point, very little idea of what's going to be on the field for him. But a guy that's played power five football, nice to see and and hopefully can develop into something. But overall, I think this room, who is it, who's it going to be? Who's going to be in the X, Y, Z? Who's going to be in the, who's going to be your primary slot guy. We don't necessarily know right now, but I think this group, while, 
you know, Wisconsin, you know, PT people that follow the team likely know these names. You haven't seen a ton of them. If you, if you don't follow the team super closely, that's okay. These are going to be guys that I think will be a pleasant surprise throughout the, the rest of the season. Definitely. And you talk about uh, Kimura DK and one thing about him uh, that a lot of people don't understand. I believe it was receivers coach, uh, the receivers coach for Wisconsin that said this uh, earlier last year, or at sorry, at the end of last year, he said that DK was ready to step into the receiver role as the top receiver since the freshman year. He's been ready. And like you said, these are highly touted prospects that we got in Marcus Allen, in Skyler Bell, and Keontes Lewis. One point that I mentioned about him, the way that he might contribute is in the run game. 62% of his snaps last year with uh, UCLA of his 207 snaps were actually run blocking snaps. That's a good uh, thing to note because you might now have different receivers that you can implement in different sets. And one thing in uh, Bobby Ingram system that might be, uh, you know, taken from the Baltimore Raven system, they also like blocking, blocking receivers. They mm -hmm. like those uh, type of receivers in general. Um, and they also like maybe tight ends as well which is the next position group to talk about. Yeah, well, that transitions nicely. You know, you've talked about it, Bobby Ingram, previously a uh, tight ends coach with the Baltimore Ravens, coached some phenomenal tight ends over there, Mark Andrews, the most you know, recent big notable one. But this room going through a little bit of transition themselves, of course, a long time, uh, Jake Ferguson, Barry Alvarez's <laughs> grandson, uh, take, you know, departing, looking pretty good in Dallas Cowboys camp. So this room's going to be a little bit, not necessarily new. I think if you follow Wisconsin football, you're probably familiar with this, these names as well. Uh, you're prime, but Wisconsin, you know, can go two, three tight ends deep in some of those run blocking sets. So when you look at it, Jack Eschenbach, who's been a contributor for years now, looks like he's going to take on that next role. Beyond that, you've got the familiar names of Clay Cundiff still coming back from injury. It's great to see him in fall camp, it looked like he was making some plays. He, of course, went down last year with a gruesome, gruesome uh, knee and leg injury. I'm honestly a little surprised how well he's came back along after tearing almost everything in his knee. And then beyond that, Hayden Rucci is more of your blocking tight end. Really looks like he's going to take on the next step. Um, so really, I think this tight end room, similar to the wide receiver room, while some of these names might not be as well known, I still think we'll be able to put together a solid season. I think the thing I'm most interested in is who is going to step up and be that safety blanket in the passing game with Jake Ferguson gone, because there were times last year where Graham Mertz was a one read guy and he was throwing it to Jake Ferguson. If he wasn't there, he was either going to roll out of the pocket and get rid of it, or he was going to, you know, try and tuck and run and, and live for another day. So that is kind of the area that I am more concerned with is who's going to be that pass catching tight end more so than a run blocker. I think that that's a great point, right? Because you talk about the safety blanket, Jake Ferguson, while he was second on the team in receiving, he was the highest uh, targeted and highest. Uh, he, he had the most catches last year. He had 46 catches for 450 yards. And remember, Graham Mertz isn't a guy that normally threatens you vertically as much. That 9.8 yards uh, per catch from Jake Ferguson, that might be what we need, a guy that's safety blanket. And you said it. It's a bunch of unproven options, but the talent is there. Jack Eschenbach, a guy who's gone through injuries, he and Clay Cundiff appear to be those lead guys. But remember, we're talking about Bobby Engram, a guy who's coming from a Raven system, a guy who's predominantly coached tight ends and receivers there. That system uses two tight ends uh, in general. 
their second tight end over there in Baltimore, Nick Boyle. When you mm-hmm. look from 2017 to 2020, he was injured in 2021, uh, suffered a season-ending injury. But from 2017 to 2020, Boyle was playing ahead or like he was playing over 50% of the snaps, 69% in 17, 55% in 18, 70% in 19, and then 65% in 2020. So two, uh, two tight end sets are definitely going to be utilized in this offense, I feel. And that's where Hayden Rucci, the redshirt junior, comes in because he's a very good blocker. Boyle and Andrews were the two tight ends over there, a very good receiver and a very good blocker. And I think Hayden Rucci could push for some snaps as a very solid blocker while the other two battle it out to see who can really be that receiver for the, for the Wisconsin Badgers this year. Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about that, you know, two tight end sets, I I think that's a phenomenal point that you brought up there. So there could be, you know, other guys that, you know, if you're going two in a set, you almost need to have guys that are four deep. So Jalen Franklin, a guy that they moved from outside linebacker over to tight end last beginning of fall camp last year, still kind of a wild card at that position, but you've got, you know, JT Seagraves an incoming freshman. Um, you've got Cam, uh, Cam Large went down with an injury, so he's not going to be uh, available for most of the season. Jack Pugh, redshirt freshman, a guy that they were really high on as a pass catcher too. So when you talk about using two tight ends, you probably likely want to have, you know, four that you feel good about going with, especially in this tight end room. That that could be an area to watch because this tight end room, unfortunately, the last few years has just been snake bitten by injuries. So hopefully they can stay healthy with already one down um, likely for the season in Cam Large. So that is going to be a an interesting room to watch, but one that I think you feel good about at least right now. Moving on down the line now, eh, no pun intended to the offensive line. We'll go ahead and get into that group, which when you talk about the bread and butter of Wisconsin football. As as great as Braylon Allen is and great as these running backs over the past you know couple decades have been, a huge part of that has been this offensive line room. We've talked about Bobby Ingram as one of the big moves in the offseason as offensive coordinator, but I think almost just as big of a move as moving former inside linebacker coach Bob Bostead back over to coach the offensive line room. When you remember um, years years ago, Bob Bosa was the offensive line coach, and he was a proponent of a very big, physical, kind of nasty front that ran the football. The past few years, say what you want about former offensive coordinator and offensive line coach Joe Rudolph, this line didn't quite have that quote-unquote nastiness that Bob Bosa wants on his offensive line. So I am really, really excited to see what this group can do under you know him. I mean, it's a group that's got littered with four or five-star recruits the last few seasons, and now we're going to start seeing um, some of those guys. So I'm really excited about the, the prospects of this offensive line getting back to kind of that Wisconsin football standard of excellence that they have had in previous years past. According to most of the reports in fall camp, this will kind of give you guys a rundown on the at least starting five, I think, right now. Um, in terms of the offensive line. Previously, Jack Nelson was at right guard, started all the games last year. He's moving over to left tackle. I think he's great. That's kind of the spot that he fits better. Last year's left tackle, Tyler Beach, coming back for another season. He's going to shift down to left left guard. Joe Titman's clearly your established center there. And then the right side of the line is kind of where some of the questions maybe start to pop up, but it seems like the picture is getting a little bit more clear. Um, looks like Michael Furtney is likely going to be your right guard, um, especially since Tanner Bordellini went down with an injury. I haven't seen an update on his injury, but I know it did not look great. Um, so you lose some depth there. And then at right tackle, 
it seems like it's been a two-horse race between uh, Riley Mallman and Logan Brown, the former five-star recruit. Uh, who it, it seems like Mallman's likely the guy right now. He's He's been impressive at camp, according to some people I've talked to, and seems to be running with that right tackle spot. So that's likely your five. I think it's a group that you can be excited about. It's got experience, it's got youth, it's got talent, and it's got a new position coach that I think can really take the most out of them. So uh, what have you kind of seen from the Wisconsin offensive line? You know, you talk about this offensive line, and you said how the bread and butter really comes with with this group, even though the uh, Wisconsin Badgers have a really solid running back group. I think this group could arguably be the most important or the best group of the bunch, including the running backs, just because this is where it kind of gets stabilized in terms of the holes created for the running game, in terms of the pass protection and all. And the biggest part about this offensive line, you are returning three starters, which hasn't necessarily been the norm always for a Badgers offensive line filled with talent. Jack Nelson obviously is your star. He is moving over to the left side from right guard. He's got the size. He's got the capability with his athleticism to really handle those edge rushers and really uh, be a stout left tackle for the team. And overall, he's also a redshirt sophomore. He is fairly young, got good tread on his legs. Tyler Beach, like you said, returning, I believe, for his sixth year, uh, Mm -hmm. was injured for a good portion of last year and now slides over to left guard where he probably projects better uh, in the in the NFL or in general. So it's a good move for him. I think he could look better there at left guard uh, with his size and athleticism as well. And then Joe Tipman, uh, the redshirt junior, is going to be our center. He, I believe, got um, some honorable mentions last year. He's a fairly solid uh, center over there as well. So you've got a pretty stout left side. The right side, like you mentioned, is the question marks. Michael Fertney uh, stepping in after Tanner Bordellini has the injury. It seemed like uh, offensive line coach Bob Bolstad did like Tanner Bordellini probably as that starter, but with the injury, Fertney steps in, and he's got experience. He's a redshirt senior. Uh, he's been around this offense for a good amount of time, so I think that he would be a fairly solid add to the right guard spot. The right tackle, though, right now is the big question. Logan Brown hit high expectations, obviously, being a former fifth round or sorry, not fifth round five star recruit, but seems to have struggled uh, at times this offseason. And so Riley Mullman, the redshirt freshman, might be stepping in. But that is the biggest side, uh, biggest part of uncertainty. And you wonder, what's the disparity? Are the are the Badgers going to run a ton to the right side? Or are they going to uh, focus predominantly on that left side? And will that balance or the lack of it uh, along the offensive line maybe cost issues uh, when running the offense in general. Yeah, yeah, that that right side is certainly going to be an interesting one to watch. I, I think Riley Mullman, and, and thankfully for Wisconsin, I think when you go into this season, you can feel a little bit better. Last season going into that Penn State contest, the offensive line still felt like it was a little bit patched together, a little bit of a project, and we saw that early with really just poor offensive line play for the first four or five weeks. This year, the schedule sets up a lot nicer. You don't have, you know, Michigan, Notre Dame, Penn State in your first five contests. You open with an FCS team, Illinois State, New Mexico State could be considered an FCS team with the outputs that they've had last few seasons. Washington State is is a power five team, but I think it sets up really nicely that you can kind of mesh and get some of these guys worked in like Riley Malman. Michael Furton, he's played plenty where you feel comfortable with him out there. But Malman, with this kind of being his first primary, you know, big undertaking at that position, 
you can kind of work him into it with a little bit lesser competition, not to knock on the schools that they play, but the schedule is fairly light early, which allows them to kind of get that offensive line room meshing and hopefully clicking as they go into Big Ten play. So I like the five that they have to start. The depth a little bit, not concerning, is there's plenty of talent in that room, but you're talking right. about Malman, um, is kind of one of your guys that you thought would step up. He's had so far. Logan Brown, you hope, is just kind of that sixth guy, but it seems like, as you mentioned, there's been struggles throughout his career, a five-star kid, but we still haven't seen it on the field. And when you hear reports of him now getting beat out by a guy like Riley Mullman, you wonder how comfortable Bob Bostead is going beyond those five and who it's going to be, because that's kind of uh, an area where these offensive linemen can get banged up. You know, Jack Nelson last week had a small procedure on his hand. He's back at practice, but you, know, you talked about Tanner Bordellini. He's already an injured guy, and he was kind of a swing guy. So that right. there is maybe a little bit of a concern. But overall, I think going into the season, you feel pretty good about this offensive line room. And the one thing you talk about, the potential and talent on this team, I think the uh, like, well, the uncertainty is there because a lot of players, especially in the depth, are inexperienced. You're talking about guys like former four stars, Trey Wadig, a redshirt sophomore, and J.P. Benchowell, a, uh, a redshirt freshman. Both of them are former four stars, right? It's not like they aren't devoid of the talent. It's just you haven't seen them in in-game action. Malman as well. He uh, obviously now seems to be that starting right tackle. But the one thing that uh, you can just mention with all these guys, including some of the freshmen, the true freshmen on the team in Joe Brunner, Barrett Nelson, and then Nolan Rucci as well, a redshirt freshman, it's inexperience. And so you wonder, does the inexperience uh, just move into real game experience and does the transition work well? Because the one thing about the the issue there is the one example that we have right now in Logan Brown hasn't necessarily worked out yet. So we'll see when uh, these guys get put into the spotlight. Can they produce? And yeah, that's a very good question as to now with Bordellini out, who's going to be that sixth man? All right, we'll go ahead. We kind of went through each position group. So now we'll transition into kind of some questions for this offense. Before we do that, guys, I'm going to talk to you about homefieldapparel.com, our lovely sponsor here at Bucky's Fifth Podcast. They just wrapped up Big News Saturday season four, and it sounds like actually Big News Saturday. The T-shirt subscription will now be going into retirement, but that does not mean that Homefield will not be continuing to put out some incredible collections as well as some refreshes. So make sure to go over there, heck, check out homefieldapparel.com. They've got a great Wisconsin apparel collection. Likely might add some ones in the near future. I can't be um, held to that, but I would guess with this new transition to what they're looking to do, that Wisconsin might get some new things um, added to their collection. And if you've got any associations with any other schools, they've got plenty of new schools over there, over at homefieldapparel.com. So make sure to go over there and check them out. All right, we'll transition now into the offensive kind of questions that we came up with. And the first one we talked about, it, we just went through each position group. So you kind of get a baseline of what we think now that we're in this third week of fall camp, transitioning into game week next week. That's likely the groups and the names that you're going to be talking about in that opening contest. So in terms of what you think, what do you see as kind of the biggest concern for the offense at this point in time? 
to me, it's definitely the inconsistency in the passing game. Can Graham Mertz uh, kind of come out of his shell? Can he become a better option? And the one reason that, you know, there is optimism given that seems like some of these rooms, like the running back room, is improving. The offensive line has guys coming back. But you talk about the new com- uh, newcomers at receiver. And sure, they've looked pretty solid in the offseason, but with pretty much only a couple of months of uh, experience with each other. Can Mertz get acclimated with his receivers and really get out of his shell? That's the one question that I have yet to see answered and really won't be answered until game day. And the one thing going into that benefit, uh, like you said earlier, was that the the Wisconsin Badgers don't necessarily play a top team before Ohio State uh, in week four. So you do have time for that acclimation period. It's just, can it happen soon enough? for the Wisconsin Badgers to get the season rolling. Yeah, when you look at this offense, it, it's hard to really you know, come up with something other than that being the concern because it was such a kind of poor offensive output in terms of the passing game last year. You've got new faces at the wide receiver room, new faces at the tight end room, and you're just kind of hoping that Graham Mertz is ready to take on that next you know step, but still learning probably somewhat new offense. Um, so what that passing game is going to be, Still kind of a question mark. You hope it's better. You trust, you know, that Paul Chris, when he made this hire of Bobby Ingram and possibly handed over those reins, that it was going to get a little bit modernized. I know last year we talked about this offense. The, the key word that we used a lot was stale. And this change was something that was needed. But until we see it on the field, and as you mentioned, you know, they, they're going to have maybe some times in these first three weeks or maybe the offense looks better than what it could be until you see it, you know, deep into big 10 play. It's hard to know, but I think going into the season, that's the biggest question mark is what kids in this passing offense can do. Again, you're not going to be asking, you know, Graham Mertz to be throwing for 300 yards a game. If he can up that completion percentage, if he can cut down on those, you know, interceptions and fumbles, I think you could see this offense be a lot better just by doing that, but it's easier said than done. And so far in that career, of Graham Mertz. We have not quite seen it. You hope these change will help improve him, but you can't really bank on it until you see that on the field September 1st and and the weeks following. Yeah, I I think I agree with you there. Yeah, definitely. All right, moving on down the line in terms of question, who do you think is a potential breakout player for this offensive group? We've talked about a lot of new guys coming into the fold at the skill position, so plenty of names to choose from. So who do you like as a possibility in that spot? Now, my instinct is telling me, go with one of the receivers, right? Because there is a ton of opportunity right now. Like I said, the Badgers are replacing Danny Davis, a guy who caught 32 passes for 478 yards last year, and also replacing Kendrick Pryor, their third leading receiver. However, I'm going to go a different direction. Given Bobby Ingram's background, having him work with tight ends, and also being in the Raven system, I believe, since 2018, or even before that, That's a system that utilizes tight ends heavily, and a two tight end system, like I said, is something that I'm uh, expected to see. So be it Jack Eschenbach or be it uh, the other tight end on the roster, or sorry, the other potential starter on the roster in Clay Cundiff, I think one of those guys is my breakout candidate because they're going to be given the opportunity. Like you said, Graham Mertz is likely going to need uh, a safety blanket in a way. And I think especially if the uh, the Badgers are looking to pass more, he's going to utilize it more often because um, 
you know, to limit the turnovers, limit the mistakes, utilize the safety blanket more often. I'm going to go with the tight end, uh, be it Jack Eschenbach or Clay Cundiff, whichever one gets the more uh, uh, volume in the passing game. I think those are both great picks. And, and you know, as you mentioned, the wide receiver rooms, probably you look to that and say that's that should be a pick. But Wisconsin's had a great history of using the tight ends in the passing game. I think Bobby Ingram's experience bringing that over makes that a, a phenomenal pick there as well. To mix it up, I can't really say Ches Malusi as we've seen a lot from him, but I think he's going to have a phenomenal year this year as well um, as Braylon Allen. I think in the wide receiver room, in terms of excitement, I'm really looking for Skylar Bell to, to emerge. I know we've seen clips from him in practice. I think he was a very, when you look at Marcus Allen, he was highly recruited and I think very talented in his own right. I think Skylar Bell out of high school was a little bit underrated and under recruited in a way and I think has the potential to really step up there so again unproven names in the passing game but you hope this new system and some of this talent coming of age and getting older and getting into the system will hopefully uh, take that next step and give this passing game what uh, the potential kind of shows it could be so some fun uh, names thrown out there for potential breakout players now we'll get into some over-unders over under 1,400 yards for Braylon Allen. Now, when you look at just for reference for your listeners, last year, 1,268 yards, 6.8 yards per carry. And a lot of that, you know, you look at he didn't get a ton of carries and really until October. And at that time, as you mentioned earlier in the show, it was still kind of splitting that with Ches Malusi. Now, that split will likely be there in some way, shape, or form. But I think this one he very well has a chance to eclipse that mark and, and hopefully does, but you're looking at you know, last year in terms of NCAA stats, that's uh, 1400 yards puts you pretty high up there in terms of rushing rankings, which you, what you would expect from a running back at Wisconsin. So what do you make of that number? You know, this is a tough one. And I think a lot of people will love to smash the over because Braylon mm -hmm. Allen has that potential. I'm going to be the opposite, though. If we're being realistic, I personally think that it's going to be in the under just because of the volume. You talked about it. Ches Malusi will likely be in the mix. And last year when Braylon Allen really broke out uh, being the starter once Malusi went down uh, in those four games, the reason I think he got so much volume in general was because there was nobody really there to be a, a legitimate backup. With Malusi in the mix and with Garendo maybe getting some snaps as well, I think they're going to try and keep all three backs healthy so that they can make that final push. And that requires a somewhat of a split. And you already saw Braylon Allen get 186 carries last year. I think that that number could rise to 200, which could help him push that 1,400 mark. But I also think the priority is keeping him healthy and also maintaining a balance because the two running backs have different skill sets and so you want to incorporate both of them uh especially if you want it like you, we talked about the offensive line and if you want to help the offensive line you also want to make your offense less predictable which then allows them to not worry as much about factors outside of their control and focus on their jobs so to me i'm going to go with the under here it might be the uh less i guess less uh likely pick but i think it is the under just because of sheer volume yeah, and I and to the fan, I tend to lean that way. I think right at that mark um, would be a very realistic spot. And but I, I will say to fans, when you hear us, you know, leaning towards the under, for me, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And honestly, I think that might be a positive because if he's getting a little less, 
And in terms of output, it's likely because those other running backs that we've talked about are getting up there. You know, when Wisconsin had, you know, James White and, you know, Monty Ball and Melvin Gordon, those were multiple, you had almost 3,000 yard rushers each. So I think the higher outputs you see from Braylon Allen likely means maybe a little bit lesser output from the other two. And I, I would argue that in order to keep him fresh, to keep him ready and to really have this rushing attack clicking, that you know, maybe some lesser numbers from Braylon Allen because other guys are, are contributing and getting higher numbers is not necessarily a bad thing. Wisconsin has primarily, um, when it's had success in those running games, had multiple options that could really output numbers for you there. So I think Chesman Lucy is going to have a great year. And I think, you know, with that, we'll take some yardage away from Braylon Allen. But again, that's not uh, a bad thing as you move into this season. Yeah, definitely. All right, moving on down the line now, completion percentage for Graham Mertz, over under 60% for reference last year, I believe 56% the year before, 61. Really would love to see a quarterback over that 60 mark, but until we see it, and, and really we haven't seen consistently that from, from Mertz in quite some time. So that I felt like in terms of yardage, you didn't really want to do an over under there. I felt like completion percentage was maybe more indicative of how he would look in this new offense. So what do you think as a, a spot for him there? Yeah, this is very intriguing because I think Mertz has a completion percentage in his career of about 60.8%, including that uh, red shirt year in the beginning. And so to me, I think Mertz, it's, it's tough. I think he will hover around there. You wonder, right? Because What's likely to be an increase in volume in the passing game because of the balanced approach? Do you think that that wavers that completion percentage? Or do you think most of those throws are high uh, high percentage throws, which increases the completion percentage? So I think this is the, the biggest question, really. I think this is the most unpredictable one. Because I think that it will be tough right now, um, I'm going to go with the under, but slightly under, just because I think the beginning part Actually, you know what? I'll be a little more optimistic. The Badgers have an easier schedule to start. They are facing a couple of easier teams. I think the the offense will slowly come from Mertz, and they're going to incorporate him in a way that best utilizes his uh, his talents. And because it's an easier start as compared to the five weeks that you said before, I'll hit the over, but I don't think it'll be too high over. I think it'll just be slightly over like in 2020. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. I'm, I, I know people that listen to the, who have listened to this podcast for the last few years with Graham Mertz in the fold. I have been a little bit of an apologist for him, but I do think the potential is there. I think he can break that out, and I hope that these changes in the offensive system will allow him to get over that mark. I'm not going to come out here and say he's going to be, you know, a guy that's throwing, you know, completing 66% of his passes and just incredibly efficient. There are going to be some lapses in this offense and some growing pains in this new in this new system. But I do think that the earlier schedule, as you mentioned, will help him get his feet under him, more comfortable with the offense, and I hope that he can kind of take his stride. So it's not going to be a marginal spot, but if he could get to, you know, that 62, 63% would be a phenomenal year for him. So I'm excited to see what that can be at the quarterback room. Now to kind of switch gears with that in terms of the passing game, the last question we've got, who do you think leads the team in receiving yards at year's end? Because again, a lot of candidates that could be in the fold here. 
Yeah, I think there are a lot of candidates, and this is another question that is tough because you have so many risers, right? You talk about Skylar Bell. You talk about even Marcus Allen, who had a slow start but a strong finish to camp, and Bell being the two opposite, obviously, Kamari Deke, uh, or if I mispronounce the name, my apologies. DK, you got it. DK, there we go. (laughs) Working on it. But (laughs) he's the unquestioned wide receiver one, like I mentioned earlier. I think – If we're talking about safety blankets, if Mertz is unable to get that safety blanket with a receiver uh, or sorry, with a tight end, he could look to DK who has pretty solid intelligence, pretty solid route running ability, especially, which should allow him to get open uh, in space as well. And I think that that suits Mertz because it makes the throws easier. I think that he will be the leader right now. But this is another one where you wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Skylar Bell or maybe I'm just going to throw it out there because it's a dark horse candidate slot receiver, Dean Engram. Maybe he could uh, fold in the mix too, but I think that those might be your top three receivers in terms of uh, yardage, but it's, it's a big uncertainty at the moment because a lot of these guys are unproven. Yeah. It's going to be a fun one to watch. And I tend to agree with you. I think Jim Ray DK is the likely guy. And, and you said it at the beginning, he was a guy that's I think mature beyond his years in terms of, leadership and you know, smarts in getting open. We've seen Mertz and him have a connection and, and they'll likely open up some targets for him. So in terms of an odds on favorite, he's likely the guy, but I think there's plenty of other names you'd work into. I would love to see, you know, a guy like Dean Ingram with so much speed and athleticism. If he was up there again, they, I think they moved him to wide receiver for a reason because they felt like they had a good connection there played wide receiver in high school, of course, with Caleb Williams, who is now at USC. So there's potential there for him as a wideout. I would love to see that, but we won't know until we actually do see it. So I think going into the season, Jim Ray DK is likely um, a very smart odds-on favorite pick uh, to lead that group. And and hopefully that comes to fruition because that would mean a a really solid season for him and uh, hopefully a better season for this passing game. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. Rowan, thank you for joining me. We'll certainly have you back on throughout the course of the football season. We'll have another podcast um, later this week talking the defensive side of the football. And then, of course, next week we'll be getting into game week. So we'll have our usual, we'll likely do our Big Ten college football overall preview episode early next week and then we'll get into the actual game preview against Illinois State still working on a guest from the Illinois State side um, you know whether it be a reporter we're working on talking to a few guys to maybe join us to talk about the Redbirds because I'll be frank I know very little about FCS Illinois State but that's who Wisconsin will be playing we'll try and get you guys some info on that going into next week again Rowan thanks for joining us and uh, we look forward to having you on the podcast again soon Hey, appreciate the opportunity and definitely appreciated you having me on today. It was a blast. And yeah, Badger season is starting. Getting closer and closer. All right, Wisconsin fans, thank you as always for listening. And as always, on Wisconsin.